Hey, everybody. Absolutely electric episode of the Web3 show featuring Elio Trades. We're joined by Eric Crown, who is a technical analyst extraordinaire focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum. He has a lot to say about the state of affairs with the Ethereum pump that happened yesterday, whether it's just a bear market rally and what the next three to four months could look like, including how the midterm election and the FOMC meeting could impact price action on some of these risk on assets. We also talk about some theory behind the value of NFTs versus the value of crypto. It's a great dialogue. Nick puts the show on his back. He does a great job in this show. Eric asks great questions and provides good points. And as always, Elliot is electric. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much for listening. Good afternoon, East Coast. Good morning to the West Coast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of my favorite Twitter shows, and I'm not biased at all. It is the Web3 show with the one and only Elio Trades. Twitter was trying to rug us. Nick and Elliot are roasting me in our back channel chat about the music selection. Elliot said he wanted electronic music. I deliver electronic music every single day, but from the perspective of someone that doesn't listen to it, so it's a little bit... Uh, funky sometimes. Uh, this show is... <laughs> you, did you Google electronic music? You were like, yo, uh, electronic music, uh, top five. I, I'm not even going to try to front. That's that's like basically the equivalent of what I'm doing. Like I'm just <laughs> going on Spotify. That is a trending song right now, though. I mean, I, I actually have heard it. I had to skip over it, though, because it's I, I'm blue. Like, uh, I don't know. That's the... Remixing that song, it's it's it, it doesn't give the same vibe. Yeah, I mean, so the public playlist that I just pulled that song from is called EDM Music 2022 Top 100, and it's the second song on the list. <laughs> it's shit. the second song on the list because I've already used the first song on the list on this show this week. So you know, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the guy, the insider when it comes to electronic music. If you want to know what's hot on the streets that hasn't uh, hit mainstream yet, I'm the guy to talk to. This show is focus on all things crypto, NFTs, Web3, technology, finance, gaming, uh, and everything in between, macro. We love doing the show. We want you to come on stage and participate in the show. We love to hear Nick and Elliot's varying takes on everything that we're seeing going on. We do the show Monday through Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time each and every week. Today, Elliot is a little bit under the weather, unfortunately, and in the worst way, uh, a little bit of a, a throat issue, which is not ideal for podcasting. Elliot, you hanging in there, buddy? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'll, I'll just step in here just every now and then just uh when nick goes turbo mode just to support him and uh and that'll be my main role right now but you know obviously i'm here it's uh it's time for the web3 show with me so <laughs> let's go and uh people are going to notice now just how heavily how heavily i thrust the workload on elliot every show when i can't just you know dump questions on him every single time now uh but i think look if we're if we're looking at Everything in the past 24 hours, I'd say the biggest stories are the UK, uh, you know, introducing their new prime minister who seems to be crypto friendly and comes from the finance space. Uh, and that may have led to some attention being put on Ethereum. It seems like there's other uh, things that kind of contributed to that too. But we saw a little bit of a supply squeeze on Ethereum unexpectedly yesterday. Monster Pump that Nick took advantage of, uh, Kicks from our morning show took advantage of, and Ben Jamet. So we saw a little bit of action there. Nick, you gave your take earlier. I mean, you know, now that you've had a couple more hours to digest, what do you make of that? And, and how are you looking to operate from here when it comes to trading and buying Ethereum? Uh, well, I just bought and then walked away. I mean, that was basically the trade from yesterday. I'm not sure. Uh, like, look, we, we keep, um, we got uh, Elio Shorts on this show. And uh, as we've been discussing, <laughs> Elio past, Shorts uh, or Elio Trades? It's, uh, it's Elio Shorts. <laughs> he's, he's now full time uh, shorting. And uh, in terms of, uh, the the overall like market attitude, I, I feel similar. Like there's no way that we're just um like suddenly go like rip into the moon. Like I just don't see that happening. It's awesome that we have some sort of uh, recovery um, in terms of the price of ETH, uh, but it, it's still hard for me to think that we're in a risk on environment at this moment in time. Um, that said, you know like. We're seeing some of the stocks uh, uh, recover a little bit from their from their uh, drops, like Microsoft, for example, which was down like eight percent, is now down six percent. Um, but 
pretty much we're waiting to see, you know, uh, how earnings has played out. The commentary that Elio's uh, repeated um, over and over again is basically, you know, the worst scenario is that uh, the economy does decently. We discussed this morning how, um, like, Amazon actually had some uh, bearish data in terms of, like, 15% traffic decline to their website. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, in terms of ETH right now, I bought yesterday at around 1460. It's now 1570. So that's nice. I only bought 10 ETH. I, I, I do like for fun some of these short swings um, only because I enjoy uh, operating in here. But I haven't done a, really a significant amount of purchases outside of like I have one Bitcoin and uh, I like ha- I always wanted to have one and uh, and I have it. So like that that's like the extent you're fucking um, rich. Uh, that's the extent of my trading. And I just don't feel like we have uh, like we bottomed out. We're good to go. We've made it through uh, inflation game over. Like it just feels weird that that would happen for a short term. Well, one uh, one last co- or one comment on that, which is one that I'm wondering uh, the video that's been going viral is I'm blanking on the name of the congresswoman, but I'm assuming some of you uh, saw this. What was it? Cynthia Lummis, the uh, no, the, um, no, the, the, uh, the, that's been uh, rotating, where uh, it was discussing the uh, source of um, the 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 source of inflation, and the chart that she had was basically corporate profits. That was that was what uh, she was saying was leading the majority of the inflation. I'm blanking on the name of the woman, but uh, she she put this chart up. And so now it's gone viral because a lot of people now feel like, wait, is that really the source of inflation? Um, so yeah. Anyways, uh, Elio seems to think that we're rugged, but I, I don't, uh, I don't believe so. I can hear you, Nick. Uh, we've been ha- like, I wasn't able to start the show today, and so uh, there is some issues with Twitter. It sounds like Elliot might not be able to hear us. Clemente is here with his hand raised. Clemente, something to contribute on what we're discussing now. It would be shifting topics a bit. Um, if you guys are okay with that, if not, I'll I'll just wait for for this part of it to to finish up. Just hold on one second. I'm trying to get Elliot. Uh, Adam in. Adam is a speaker rather yeah, than a co-host. I did. I did. Uh, he said that he's going to leave and come back. Go ahead, Clemente. You can run with it. Go ahead. Okay. Cool. Well, the the big thing I wanted to talk about that came out about three hours ago was uh, Meme Land announcing that. Um, you can finally, as your your potatoes uh, can finally give you your ticket to meme land. Essentially, what was dropped was one potato can mint a captain, which is, I guess, your your ticket to to meme land. Um, it's first come first serve, though. So if you have a potato, you can mint one captain. If you have two potatoes, you can mint two captains. First come first serve. So that would be a gas war. Three potatoes can mint three captains, but one is guaranteed, and two are first come first serve. But um, as a reaction, I think we've seen we've seen listings go up a bit. Um, there's been 87 sales today for the potatoes. They're sitting at a 1.55 e floor. They're about um, tw- they're up 20 percent on the day. So I'm just curious if it's people uh, that have one potato wanting to sell because they don't want the gas war, and then the other ones that maybe have one or two, they are picking up to get that guaranteed meme land list. But I thought it was pretty interesting that they're finally going on forward with this after a few months of kind of being and building this community out. Well, Clemente, we also, we always appreciate your updates. Clemente is from WGMI. So he is in the game of providing updates on the front of, uh, you know, all things like NFT space and NFT market. Always appreciate having you on stage. Uh, Elliot just pointed out that we got um, our guy, Eric Crown on stage, crypto, uh, Crown Crypto Cave, and that you are a TI, a TA legend. You and Nick will probably be buddy buddy uh but you're definitely better than nick at ta uh, i think i've seen you, I, <laughs> I think i've seen you listen to the show before really delighted to have you on stage how's it going hey man thanks for uh thanks for having me on not sure if you can hear me well right now but we uh, can. that was very kind that was very very kind awesome crown, man. What, crown what's going on why are we pamping? oh mr elio mr elliot good to hear your voice brother yeah why are we pumping that's a good question more buyers and sellers huh um, you know, we just saw multi-year lows on volatility and, uh, <laughs> we're getting expansion of the upside right now. I mean, these sort of moves, these sort of extremes that we've seen, 
you know, in the past, they've led to, on average, about a 25% move on the lower end. On the upper end, higher time frames, you know, up to 45 to 50% move. So I think that we're in the midst of something kind of big here uh, beginning. And this next week, especially heading into the next FOMC meeting, is going to be, well, a nice little catalyst for us all. So you're saying that we could see as, as much as a 50% move to the upside? I mean, I don't want to be spreading uh, <laughs> very specific, hopium. yeah, very specific predictions. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Yeah, um, you know, I always like thinking in terms of probabilities, ranges, and statistics. So, you know, on the lower end, twenty-four, twenty-five percent off the lows. On the upper end, about fifty percent. So, anywhere in between there is going to be, you know, kind of the high probability play. Uh, we've already seen a pretty decent move off the lows. So, so ultimately, yep. Go ahead. So, is your target like two K? <laughs> oh, you mean for Ethereum? Okay. Uh, actually, I need an exact price of what, what my exit price should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friends, we need a time frame on that, but probably in the next like two and a half, three weeks, something like that. Uh, let me just bring it up really quickly here. Um, I mean, ETH is one of the stronger ones right now. It's certainly stronger than Bitcoin. So whatever Bitcoin does, I expect Ethereum to do a little bit more. Um, I think best case scenario, close to 2000. Yeah. Um, Maybe more realistic, somewhere around seventeen to eighteen hundred. Uh, looks actually pretty good. And you, you reference? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Elliot. Go ahead. No, that was me. Uh, I, I was going to say, yeah, my target would be seventeen eighty eight to be specific. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, doesn't that line up a wee bit with the election? You know, the sort of like yes, my, it does. You know, my tinfoily hat is always saying, you know, don't don't we want to pamp into the election if if we're you know the overlords? Uh, yeah, it's. I, uh, it actually has been um, relevant in the past during uh, midterm years, the last two months, November and December, uh, especially November. Um, you know, you typically do see some green going into those uh, into those sort of events. You know, also FOMC meeting is going to be played up a bit as well. And everyone's kind of expecting 75, uh, 75 uh, bips raise, right? So, you know, if they do that, I mean, there might be like a short term, uh, you know, pullback, but ultimately that's going to be expected. So probably continues uh, up until that sort of election. I mean, I, I, I've never been one for, I always thought it was like the weirdest thing that that's how uh, it was going down. That said, we saw it happen with um, oil and uh, the conversation with Biden and the Saudis. And that's been, um, that's been uh, a disaster that said, so now there's uh Saudi Arabia is coming out with more information. Uh, you may want to uh, mute yourself for a sec. Um, the uh, about how uh, we're trying to manipulate markets by uh, releasing the emergency uh, oil supply. Um, so we're into a little bit of a uh, t tiff with uh, Saudi Arabia at this moment, and that is that does happen to be all driven by like transparently driven by uh, political objectives, which I, historically I'm like. That's not really happening, right? Like, is that? But th this is the first time that it's like been openly stated, and even the Biden administration like basically acknowledged that. And there were a bunch of articles uh, about how they were trying to do it. It was a failure, though, and so far a lot of that has been an overall failure. So I, I I'm wondering like the degree to where you can go with the tinfoil hat as it applies to like pump into the midterms, um, like and and we're not necessarily seeing. We did see a little bit of uh, a relief rally um, uh, in, in the stock market uh, recently. Um, but I, I, I still am stuck wondering, like, where does that really go? And, and technically, um, as it applies to, like, uh, the SPY uh, or S&P, whatever, or uh, NASDAQ, we're still down in a, uh, in, in a bearish trend. Um, it, it feels like this is just, like, a relief rally moment. But, yeah, I'd be curious if there are any, like, key catalysts uh, that are actually driving this other than the technicals? Because I haven't seen anything. What do you think, Eric? I mean, it's hard to say. Um, you know, like I said, uh, seasonality and some of the events that you mentioned are going to play into something like this. Um, at the end of the day, everything should match up naturally, right? That's the reason why technical analysis seems to always kind of, you know, have these major pivots, have these major um, sort of price action uh, around these sort of events. So, it's really hard to say, you know, what what is driving it. At the end of the day, I I don't really care what is driving it. I care more about um, I care more about you know hard data that I can actually 
look at, define, and then work off of. So that's why I'm kind of a chart purist in that sense. I do want to say that I strongly agree with you um, that, you know, we're probably seeing just a bit of a bear market rally here, but it can, you know, the problem with bear market rallies is they're intense. And the purpose of a bear market rally is to make you believe that it's over. <laughs> and so it becomes extremely difficult. Um, this is a very difficult environment, uh, you know, for many people that I know, myself included, and uh, SPY, you know, all of these major indices, they can rally up significantly more um, and still remain in their downtrends. You know, th we've seen essentially over the past, what, like four or five, six months, basically straight down without any real meaningful bounces. Um, and so to look for a bounce, you know, during this time period, an extended bounce, uh, dare I say, I think is is reasonable just from sort of a just from sort of a logical standpoint, and then perhaps if you know Bitcoin and the regular market's going to work their way further down, it probably happens in 2023 after everyone is kind of convinced that you know the overall bear market is uh, is over. That's typically how these things go. Yeah, it, it really felt. Sorry to jump in. It, it felt because I've been tracking some of the macro. The macro buddies. I know you're such a big fan of macro, Eric. Um, and uh, and that's a bit of a joke. Eric's a, a chart purist, as he said. Um, uh, but <laughs> I respect but, you know, it. There's definitely been at least this year. These uh, it's sort of like their year, right? You know, it's it's their year. And um, and some of the people that I've respected were sort of saying, "Hey, look, this isn't even bearish at this point. This isn't like, hey, we're going to play a bear game. This is the, I think the term was take your ball and go home." Um, because it is it is uh, a bit brutal, and you know these rallies effectively allow you know the Fed and other folks to just sort of go even harder on making you know rugging the markets. And if if, if something was breaking, you know, and the markets were saying, "Hey, look, we can't handle this level of you know liquidity being removed by the Fed," then that would be one thing, and the Fed would have to kind of like ease up, and and maybe things could go back up to you know uh, you know euphoria again. But right now, it sort of feels like the markets are just so down to keep playing the, you know, the, the bullish game at any moment's notice that it just sort of feels like, um, in some senses, it kind of stretches out that x-axis as to how long this particular market cycle could be. Because if we get an extended bear market rally, and then we end up plunging down again after that, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're no longer in like the fourth or fifth inning? Maybe we're still in the second inning of this bear market? You know, it kind of becomes a, a, a bit wild to think about, you know, time-wise. I mean, I love that perspective, Elliot. Eric, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I uh, didn't mean to cut you off there. I totally agree. Um, you know, and, and the whole problem with that, or the whole, uh, the difficult part is just getting the x-axis time. Um, you know, I think in terms of actual, the the final destination of price, I think we're probably more than 50% of the way there. I think that'd be very reasonable. But in terms of time, could we be in like the second inning of a nine-inning game? I mean, very possible that I have no idea on. Yeah, I mean, if you if we're down, if we're about fifty percent of the way there, that would mean that you know from sixty nine k down to twenty k, that would mean that we have another forty something thousand dollars to drop on Bitcoin. So we'd be at negative twenty k. Um, that's pretty. That's that's a bold prediction, Eric. Dude, I'm pretty <laughs> excited about that price. Uh, if you're paying me to take Bitcoin, that is incredible. That's good. That's a crazy prediction. I think that's probably the craziest prediction I've heard. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, hey, I'm I'm just gonna keep an open mind. Obviously, I think that's the biggest thing is you don't want to join any of the teams. I think that was one of the things that you said to me, uh, Eric, uh, back in 2018. Is you, you don't want to be on the team. You don't want to be on Team Bull or Team Bear. You just want to be on Team uh, observing the market. And right now, the market to me feels as though uh, just my gut. And my sixth sense is saying it's too soon. It's just too soon. And there's been, there's too many things going on that aren't just not going to magically resolve with a pump, you know, pumping doesn't fix so many of these issues. Um, and so I think like once I see inflation kind of coming down and I see maybe the, the bond market stop going parabolic, maybe then I'll start feeling like, Hey, there's a narrative here for the market starting to at least find some kind of mid level where they could, it can stop free falling. Um, but right now it just sort of feels like a bear market rally to sucker people in who knows, I could be wrong, but we always said, you know, we we talked extensively about how you know uh, pumping into midterms is a thing, and that's exactly what's happening right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, let me know if there's anything else I should be looking for on the, on the charts, uh, Eric. Yeah, precisely. I mean, you know, this rally could get extended out for you know two three months. I, I I think that that is certainly not out of the question. And then after that, 
you know, if there's no major high-term time frame uh, trend shift, and I'm talking about a minimum a weekly time frame, then we're still in a bear market. And, you know, things could get all the way back up past even 30000 even even up to 40000 bucks, And that wouldn't do too much for the weekly as of right now. So, you know, you just kind of have to be aware of how big the numbers are. The, naturally, the shifts are going to be, you know, pretty astronomical as well. So basically, it's going to be a lot of waiting, which I know people don't want to hear. It's going to take a lot of patience. And, you know, we're probably looking at a multi-year thing here. Bitcoin yeah, pa- is a- patience oh, is the one thing that everybody lacks pretty much in this industry. So, of course, doing something that requires patience would, of course, be the hardest thing. Right, Nick? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm one of the most impatient people around uh, no matter what. Uh, that said, uh, my long-term investment portfolio uh, is, is a patient one, but uh, my uh, g- degenerate gambling portfolio is uh, more representative of my personality. Uh, so that, that's where I'm able to uh, really let loose and uh, trade properly. Bitcoin right now is actually at a pretty key level, at least uh, in terms of my, my own tracking, which is uh, this uh, 20,822. Uh, I have very specific numbers on here. Please ignore me. But uh, the, the, uh, it, to see that candle close on the daily above that would be uh, – Pretty nice to see and a bullish indicator to bring it up another maybe 2,000, um, which would be a, a 10% rise from here. Uh, in terms of um, ETH, uh, that's a different uh, story, uh, but the net, the range that I had already mentioned on that, 1788. I'm wondering, Eric, it, so if you uh, you trade, it sounds like primarily based on technicals, what's your like uh, general uh, exposure at any given moment in time? Are you more of a swing trader are uh, do you have like uh, are you more like long term? How, how do you usually position yourself? Yeah, so the way that I think about it is I have two major things that I'm doing. One is my active trading that's typically on a five, fifteen minute, and sometimes up to an hourly recently. Um, and then two is you know just long term investments, things that I'm not looking to touch for you know ten plus years or, or maybe maybe even longer than that. So as far as uh, the short-term timeframes, I'm mostly just doing volatility momentum plays. That's really all that I care about, obviously mediated by trend. Um, so I do, I think, a little bit different uh, technical analysis than most people. I probably do something a little bit closer to quantitative analysis, but that's what I'm most interested in. I'm most interested in volatility versus momentum mediated by trend. But what do you that, like, I'm, I'm wondering outside of like the structure of your trades, like how do you personally invest, like your portfolio? Like, are you uh, like, oh, okay. do, like, do what? What I'm saying is how much money you got in the market, player. <laughs> like, let, nice let me know how much cash we, we talking about Nick. here, Eric. And are you are you leveraged? <laughs> like, how degen do you go? And what yeah. percentage of your portfolio is based on these swings? Yeah, 69% always. Um, <laughs> so right now, uh, if, I'm, if I'm being a little more serious, uh, right now I'm about 30% in this market of what I intend to have for long-term bags in terms of what my actual split is. I'm, okay. you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not professionals like you guys in the sense that it, you guys are really, really in tune with the fundamentals, really, really in tune with all of these like altcoin projects. I don't have the time for that. That's not my edge. So I just stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum and then a few random alts here and there. And my split between Bitcoin and Ethereum is probably, uh, I think it's close to maybe like 80% Bitcoin, 20% Ethereum, something like that. Wow, you just gave PO. I'm not going to say what you just gave him, but you made him very <laughs> excited uh, in, uh, with that statement. Um, so, and, and you're saying that in terms of your long-term portfolio or just in terms of broad exposure, you basically say 70% cash, 30% exposure right now in this uh, portion of the portfolio. And then within that 30%, 80% of it's in Bitcoin. Yes, so that would be the long-term portfolio. The trading portfolio is kept in uh, Tether or Cash. Okay, and and uh, when you when you uh, think about trading, what like what percentage of your portfolio is actually like tra- like active trading uh, relative to my total equity? Um, I think about. Uh, well, the thing is, I always rebalance it, so I like to keep it at about ten percent. Whatever gets close to fifteen okay. percent, I rebalance. I mean, I think that that's fair. I'm I'm personally overexposed at this moment in time, primarily to the NFT space, because I've held on to my like board ape. Uh, I have like a full collection. I got the dog, a mutant, an ape, and the, and then also uh, a punk. And so I, I look at that and I'm like, well, this is a lot of exposure. 
um, right now for my own personal portfolio. So I'm op operating in a heavy degen uh, sort of position, which is uh, idiotic, I think. But I, do, <laughs> I don't want to rebalance the uh, NFT portfolio because I like like it's it's like this messed up state where you like bought an artist who blew up out of nowhere, and I'm like, but I like the painting. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you can always. You can always, uh, you know, heat your house in the winter with that uh, that board ape kennel club too. So you know, there's a lot of utility <laughs> there, and make sure that you don't, you know, and you got the full set. So you know, uh, you're not going to survive if you let one of those go. So I totally, totally get it. But or here, in, that's that's kind of the the thing is you have someone who's super data driven, uh, super super like analytical, like nifty Nick over here, and yet he cannot bring himself to rebalance a, a JPEG that's now worth, you know, a down payment on a house. It's it's so difficult. <laughs> here here was where that came from. So I, I I'm actually uh, interested in just walking through that real quick because it is a legitimate problem. Like I look at this portfolio and it defies my own thesis on the market at this point in time. And generally speaking, if I'm uh, looking at um it, like what's the upside that I have on the board eight portfolio right now? It's probably like maybe at two x's. You could say over the next like five years that maybe at ten x's. And, we, and every ape is at a million dollars. There is a theoretical world in which that exists, but it's going to be pretty challenging uh, to get there. That said, it got close to like half a million. But I, the, the biggest issue, well, there was two things. One is holding on to that because I have conviction in the broader NFT space. And to me, I held that as saying, well, I have skin in the game. That said, the level of skin in the game is probably on a relative basis far too high. I don't have like a huge uh, crypto portfolio. And in fact, actually, everything that I took out is literally in cash at this moment in time. And and that's the portfolio that I'm looking at. It's saying like, okay, where could I invest that? But I was reading um, this investing book and basically the summary, it, it keeps hammering in the sort of value investing strategy and, and the impact of compounding. And their hurdle that they're attempting to get with some of these value investors is like 16% or something like that in a year. Well, last year I made a $30,000 investment in like the NFT space and that turned into over a million to one to $2 million basically. That's an absurd return. So I'm like, man, I, I could basically make no investment for the next like, I don't know, like few years and I would be, I would be outperforming that hurdle rate essentially. So now that, but then the question is, is what, what's your like, if you're doing that sort of approach, well, what's that next investment that you're looking for? And right now, do I think that uh, Bored Apes is a good value investment in the NFT space? And the answer to that is basically no. So from that standpoint, I should theoretically sell, but I cannot get myself to do it simply because I want to say I'm still holding that Bored Ape because I have conviction in the NFT space. Is this like the dumbest thing ever? <laughs> Maybe. Like a financial I don't, know this, advisor. I don't know if this is therapy, market advice, or if, <laughs> where, where are we going with this? It's, it's anyway. a combination. Sorry, I'm venting now at this point in time. Nick's uh, on the chair. <laughs> crown, Crown, can you please prescribe him some medication? <laughs> oh, my God, man. Hey, by the way, I should have said it's good to meet you, Nick, uh, as I'm here for the first time speaking. Uh, listened to you a bunch of times. Very, very cool. Um, I'm just curious, man. I'm just curious. Uh, that was a very nice soliloquy. Um, <laughs> I tend to have those periodically, so I get inspired. <laughs> uh, so what is the, uh, I guess my question to you, man, is is just a genuine question. What What is the plan? Like for my own portfolio? I mean, for all these like fucking pictures you're holding. It, it's a really tough question to answer. Like I, I feel overexposed. Um, I don't feel overexposed to a degree of last year where I felt overexposed. Let's say all of the ones that I'm holding go to zero. The returns that I generated are still like ludicrous, right? Like it was like 20x basically, which I think just from uh, on outside of this space, any investor who's making that sort of bet is saying, okay, you absolutely fucking killed it. Like if you have a venture investment that did that well, you'd be like super stoked basically. Um, it's not a, a Google seed and stage investment win, but it's still big. Personally, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer. What I'm actually thinking about instead is for the cash that I have sitting, I do, th I do think about that like value investing thing. And I say, 
where's the best place to put that cash that's going to have the most impact? At this point, I don't want to put the majority of it, like let's say crypto drops by another 50%. Am I going to put all that money into Ethereum? That to me feels like just an, like an irrational bet because the conversation we had this morning is that uh, crypto itself, as much as you can point to various quote fundamentals that uh, the on-chain sort of maxis try to project, especially coming out of like the Bitcoin space where you look at the happening cycle as well as um, the hash rate, as well as um, the number of transactions happening on chain, those sorts of things. While that that is like relative fundamentals for crypto, it's harder for me as an individual to make investments based on that sort of data. And instead, what I look towards is like, if the hurdle rate from this value investing, which I'm, which has really stuck with me and it's recency bias, most definitely. But I look at that and I say, man, you could own a small business that generates 15% a year, like a laundromat or something like that. And it probably even generates more than that, maybe like 50% or something. I, 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 I don't know. My, my mind goes wide generally when I'm like thinking about it, but I think what's the next step as for the NFT portfolio, I don't have that much. Instead, what I have is just concentration risk, um, which means like the, the 90% of my portfolio is basically in four things, which, uh, if I was a value investor picking stocks, that may actually not be an irrational thing. But in this space, it's hard to look at that and say, like, is our crypto punks, is the floor of that going to continue being 100,000? Or do I actually think that it's going to drop to 30 and we're all going to look at it and say, wow, we were all dumb? That is a chance. For now, I'm just holding it and saying, you know what? I did well. My only thought is, Hey, could I take like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars off the table here? My my only issue is is it's at the relative low at this moment, and so it's hard for me to do so. I don't have I don't have a clear plan of action. I just feel moderately exposed right now to a degree which I know objectively is irrational, but I actually feel somewhat comfortable with um, because I believe in NFTs as a whole. I I, I think I could lose Nick, another. Nick, if I 50 can help you out here, yeah. Um, I don't know. I could just cut out. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you agreed, but here, let me, let me just try to give you my perspective as someone who has done sort of what you've done, which is I've jumped in with high conviction, turned little bits of money into a lot of, lot of money and round tripped a lot of things in the process. But in the process also, I'm not a, an expert trader like Eric, right? Like I will never be as skilled as Eric is at at trading, right? He has done it for like, what, 20 years or something like that. And it's like his, it's his everyday, all day focus. I'm never going to be able to methodically trade in and out of positions and like reliably make money regardless of the direction of the market. Um, but what I have seen is that crypto and the growth of the industry has allowed for these, you know, for, for people to be able to take L's on a, on a massive scale and still have massive wins with high conviction plays. You know, I did the same thing where I started buying in more aggressively into the NFT market after sort of the Board Ape Yacht Club launch. And, you know, uh, it was an incredible success. And of course, I could look back and say, wow, I should have sold this at this price. I should have sold this at this price. And that'll continue to be the case. But on the whole, you know, the amount of gains that have come out of my NFT sort of dabbling are, you know, they're, they're incredible, right? And so that's, that's what sort of my perspective is, is that, you know, when crypto does come back, which I do believe it will, um, you know, the ability to be a little bit more high conviction and good stuff, usually, um, you know, the, the one out of 10, the one out of 20 that does work usually offsets the rest of them. And so that's kind of like the weird moon math that goes on in this industry. But if you're asking a normal person, right, who maybe they have, that's like their biggest amount of liquid capital is in a board ape or in a this or that like yeah. obviously that's an incredibly risky thing to be doing but if you're saying hey look if this ends up going down to you know 10k for a board ape or something in, in the bear market and i don't know if and when it'll come back then and you're saying my life's still going to be great. Also, I'm a content creator in the NFT space and me having conviction publicly is something that's important to my brand or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Then you're making a different kind of investment, right? Your investment is more in the culture and the reputation that you have within the culture. Um, and so maybe someone else who's not actually building their own brand in Web3 would have less of a connection and say, you know what, I actually need this cash. And, and I think having everything in this portfolio is quite silly, right? And so it just depends, right? Like your position is all 
also, and I can say this as a content creator, you are clouded by the fact that you are a content creator and that you have a public facing brand, right? And so that's really important to understand is like, you're making multiple layers of investment with your time and your energy that aren't necessarily just in that crypto punk or that board ape. Um, and that you want to be able to say when you walk onto these stages, hey, I got a full set, right? And that's sort of like some clout or whatever. Um, I know the same way, like I'm attached to my JPEGs as well, um, which is so dumb, right? But it's, it's just so what ridiculous. it is. <laughs> Wait, you cut out. Uh, it, that, was, that was that. I'm throwing it back to you, Nick. Oh, no, I, I, I completely agree. And that has been the thesis. I mean, I'm looking at my vault right now and it really is concentrated just among those key things. I have a couple other things. I got like uh, X copies, Max Payne, but these are all like, it, 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 most people wouldn't say it's negligible, but these are like smaller uh, portions of it. I got like a V friend. I got a other deed. I got a, a me bit. And some of these are like smaller bets, whatever. I'll hold on to it and uh, see what happens. But I think your point is spot on. And ultimately, uh, th there was uh, last year, there was a, a sort of meme going around and it always happens, especially in a bull run, where um, rather than calling it concentration risk, it looks like uh, a smart concentration being an actual smart move. And they say like, you know, some of the, the biggest, uh, the greatest wealth actually comes through concentration. For example, a, a Jeff Bezos or a Mark Zuckerberg or any of these other people, all of their net worth is tied up in a single business, which they also happen to control. Um, but I think that that, uh, that sort of approach, it's not concentration risk if you're actually executing on it and, you're, and you have influence over it. In this case, though, like I actually think, and, and uh, one of the reasons that I, the, the only thing I was thinking is, if anything, I should have more of our own NFT. Uh, right now I have like 40 of them, but I think I should have like 100 of them basically because that to me is like, how am I so outsized, like exposed to essentially uh, something that I don't have control over? Whereas this other one, I, I, I have some, uh, not just some significant influence over, you know, uh, what ends up happening in the execution side of things. So that's the only thing. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And to your point, look, I, I, I'm I'm so grateful. I took out a, a significant amount uh, last year and this year or this year and last year. Um, and so like I won, like, I don't know. I feel like I won at this point. I'm playing with house money essentially. And, um, and uh, uh, having this concentration uh, in NFTs, could potentially pay off in in, in a, a very significant way, so I'm I'm down to do it. So that's kind of how uh, the portfolio is, but it's one of the most from an, the outside looking in, maybe one of the most irrational approaches, um, just on a like uh, portfolio construction basis. But uh, uh, but here I am. <laughs> so, so, so that's what's going on. I'm loving hearing Nick's perspective and then hearing, you know, Elliot have a very sober perspective having, you know, been around the block. And I think that both sides are very interesting. But his curious. isn't even counter though. His actually no, no, seems I know. To, it's, it's basically the same. I'm not saying it's counter. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But I, I like I'm the way just, he I'm just saying own I'm just saying own the realities of why you're actually tied to your apes and 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 also understand that like your investment is multi-layered, which is something that I've done. Like I've taken so many L's on trading. Um, because as a content creator, I don't want to sell, you know, because I don't think it's matches up, you know, and, and even though I maybe feel in my heart, you know, maybe I should just run to safety. Um, I feel like, you know, I need to just have more conviction in the trade, um, and stay longer. And if it turns on me, then I need to take the L. And so I've done that a million times. Um, you know, stuff that the audience doesn't know about, but you know, that's just sort of like my own sort of like large, like multi-layered investment and in like what I'm doing. And I think that that's important to do. And I do believe that over time it'll pan out, but it is high risk. Like there's times I've seen my net worth swing so aggressively, um, in the span of hours or days. And that's kind of hard on the heart. Like I would, I, I want to get a little bit more methodical, like Eric over time where I can, you know, say, okay, you know, I've rebalanced down to, you know, 10% of my life can only swing at once. Um, but I don't think that'll happen anytime soon. <laughs> the, well, there's, there's one other thing though, that uh, does stand out and uh, related to what you're saying. The distinction though, is also you've gone through the, the shit coin phase, right? Like, or the, the whole cycle there, not that it's disappeared completely. And we still have that going on, but I think, uh, 
like relatively speaking, it feels much different when you have uh, a board ape or a punk or something like that in the sense that there's like this significant connection to it. Like I don't give a crap about, uh, you know, Axie token or something like that, right? Like my identity is not tied up in that token. Instead, that is pure, pure gambling where I'm looking at the price go up and down of this particular asset and I'm making a trade, uh, just a pure trade decision, including ETH. Like, uh, it, I, I'm not like concerned about my street cred when people say, how much ETH do you have right now? And I'm like, uh, zero. It's all tied up in NFTs. Uh, instead, I'm like, yeah, I, I see the potential for a lot of people who, and I've seen this happen, where they go and buy a board ape right now. They didn't have an NFT or they buy a crypto punk or something like that because they're like, I want to invest in this space. I want to tie my brand associated with this. And one of the most like significant ways for you to do that is really to like purchase one of those assets. And conversely, one key component of that, and Pio and I have been discussing this as well because we're trying to like offset taxes and figuring out investments we can make in our, our business this year. There's a major distinction between taking an expense and buying an asset. And that's one upside despite the price volatility. You could go buy a car for your business and that's an asset. Like, yes, it's going to depreciate and it has a fairly rapid depreciation schedule. But the bottom line is you can always turn around and resell that. And your business now has that money back in the business. And the same thing goes with some of these NFTs. And as volatile as they are, they actually haven't been that volatile over the past like couple of months, um, like board apes, punks. It's been pretty much flat, at least for the past like 30 days, 30 to 60 days, something like that. Um, and so... It, there's going to be a lot of people who I think buy some of the, there's going to be consistent demand at this higher end of the market for those people that say, hey, this is an asset that I want to hold and it helps me develop my brand. And it actually has become that aspect of it. And and so from that standpoint, it, it's it's really interesting. And people, I was on um, Reddit yesterday, uh, Shulin Villain on his show was like linked to a Reddit chat and I went over to it and was chatting with people I had a completely different username, but they knew it was me because of my punk, basically. And they were like, oh, that's Nick. And so that ability to brand yourself, it is underappreciated, I think, and does have some intrinsic value. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to be clear here. What you're talking about is the benefit of altcoins with pictures, right? And, and I really believe this, that like NFTs do trade like altcoins, but they have the, the added value of having a picture. And the, the added value of having the picture is a significant, significant change with the way that people relate to and value their relationship with that investment that they've made. Um, and, and it is a deep, I think there's a deep psychological unlock and the OG crypto people um, definitely, uh, definitely would sort of look at the NFT space as wild gambling, kind of like the way you described uh, Axie token. That's how I believe like the OG crypto people would see NFT investments as wild gambling as well. And so the difference is that once you've done it and you've actually engaged with it, and especially if you've made an NFT like your profile picture and had like people come to know you as such as this picture, like the value of that to you is no longer so, you know, one dimensional as like the floor price. And so I think that there is a, a really, this is, this is where I really became super bullish on, um, on NFTs in general, is that you see this ability, the stickiness um, that goes beyond because we know that there's boom bust in crypto. Um, but the question is, what can actually be there when things go bust? And, and what keeps people around? And what we've seen is that the NFT space is surprisingly resilient. I still believe that we'll see at some point if things get really, really boring and there's just no pumps in Ethereum, in Ethereum land or Ethereum or wherever, that we'll start seeing um, NFTs start to like make interesting moves. And I don't think we've seen the bottom yet or the, or the end of the volatility. But when that happens, I do believe NFTs will have a more interesting market than, than your average shitcoin market. And that's why I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, and pretty much like 99% of my professional career is now leveraged into the NFT space. You're, you're expressing something which was uh, a kind of a, a broader thesis that was circulating last year, and we saw the beginning of it. In fact, the pudgy penguin pump uh, was uh, sort of like the rise of crypto Twitter. And what I mean by crypto Twitter, I mean like crypto trading Twitter entering the NFT space, but that still happened in a relatively like small way. That was like one collection which ended up pumping. And it was like you had a keyboard monkey uh, style account or Kaleo. Any, 
Kaleo, and you had some of these people hop in, but it still has yet to fully transition, I think, in the same way like you're, you're saying, which is, hey, that thesis of last year still stands. We just haven't even begun to see that transition, including, and I guess the next level is the same thesis where you say, hey, institutions have not fully bought into Bitcoin. We're seeing it right now. Uh, it hasn't fully bought into Ethereum. We're beginning to see that as well. And uh, you could also say it, and it definitely has not in a significant way bought into uh, NFTs. The only, uh, I, I think like we've seen tastes of it. Um, we've seen Spencer who comes on our morning show is one example where you have a, a large uh, holding company, a high net worth uh, family basically slash venture fund say, look, we want exposure to this space, but we don't want to manage it ourselves. That's like the beginning of that trend. Basically it's institutional money trickling into the space. Um, but we're only seeing the, the, the beginnings of that. So what you're saying, actually, through this conversation and through this therapy, which I greatly appreciate you allowing me to sit on the couch, I now have more conviction in my portfolio. And do not worry, everybody. I am not selling my punk or my ape uh, collection anytime soon so you can sleep well at night. Everybody's worried about it. I love Elliot's perspective. I want to throw to Eric uh, again. So Eric, you just heard a nice dialogue between Elliot and Nick about altcoins with pictures, also known as uh, collectible avatars, as Reddit's calling them, also known as NFTs. I'd love to hear, after listening to that, what's on your mind and like what your thoughts are as a crypto trader. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you're if you're a big NFT guy, I don't know, but it seemed like you were a crypto trader. You know, what would your response to that conversation be? Yeah, man, I'm not uh, super into the NFT space, so understand this is coming from someone you know who lacks an education here. The most that I really did did was uh, buy some sort of a gorilla ape thing and. It went up like 3x in a week, and then I sold it and left. Good move. Um, Sounds good to me. Yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's really clear, Nick, that uh, you thought about this deeply. You're 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 clearly a deep thinker. Um, my question, though, I guess, in in terms of a plan, like these two scenarios, what would make you one take profit, and then two, what would make you say, hey? This thing is not worth it anymore because this event happened. Like, what, what, what do these sort of events look like? Uh, just out of curiosity. So there's two scenarios. Um, one is my my target price for apes was half a million. It actually came within like a stone's throw of that, which makes me look back on that and say, well, yeah, I should have sold at four fifty or whatever. Um, regardless, I still extracted a lot of capital. Like I've I've always dumped into all of these pumps mostly. Um, in one way or another, uh, primarily where I get uh, what's effectively an airdrop. Uh, so there's two scenarios. One is like if suddenly apes pump to like half a million dollars, like in the next like couple months, and I have not individually generated uh, a, a newly life changing sum of money. To me, that would be like if uh, let's say we build a business and and I'm now I now have. Uh, $15 million or something. I'm, I'm making up like a number here, but like, that's like a, an obscene, that's a lot of money basically for any individual. And so you're in that scenario, if that happened first and, and, uh, my ape just sat around 50 K for the next, like, it, and right now it's at a hundred, but let's say it goes down to 50 and it sits there for the next three years, four years, five years. I'm just going to hold on to it. But let's say if I sold, um, uh, like if we sold our business or something and suddenly I'm flush with a bunch of cash, my my thought at that moment is going to change because a couple of things happened. A, uh, that ape and and uh, the, the, fundamentally, the board ape did change my life. It brought me into, it increased my conviction in NFTs. It uh, was uh, like personally just like a major moment. It was a catalyst to, con to even continue to double and triple down on it. Because at that moment in time, that was like an early phase for my NFT uh, like sort of journey. So if I'm now like in a place where I have a bunch of money and, and I'm like, wow, I, I, you know, I'm uh, independently wealthy to a degree that, that I've aspired to, then I'd probably like, I, the price would go up basically. That's the main point of that sort of thing. 
So that that scenario is the game we're playing for, right? Like that's why we build a business is not just uh, not just to well one the job that we got to create for ourselves is one that's exciting. It's also oftentimes incredibly stressful. Um, so I, I think about like, hey, that that's like, I'm grateful for that. But one of the big reasons for doing that is there's a monetary incentive for us to go and invest in that. So how that plays out impacts how I end up taking action. My guess is it, it half a million, if it went there right now, I would definitely sell my ape for half a million dollars, most likely. I'd keep the punk maybe, like I'd keep one of them. Uh, and then if, uh, if, if I suddenly end up wildly wealthy, independently wealthy, where I don't need to work again, um, I would probably hold, the price would go up. So those are the two scenarios. And I think at this point, that's basically it. So you kind of just look at it as like a call option, basically, where if it hits, it hits, and it's going to be astronomical gains to where money is just no object at, at that point. Or you're basically content with it kind of being, I guess, well, relatively minuscule in value to yourself. The only other, I guess there's one other scenario which did, that, that I didn't express, which is like, uh, I'm married, I have a kid, and I uh, need to buy a house, and we're short 100K. Like, that, that would be a motivating factor to make different financial decisions. So, I mean, uh, I guess you could see like a, a, a negative scenario where that, where that goes down. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that'd be the worst case. All of these are phenomenal scenarios, right? Like, holy shit. Talk about like a privileged situation, right? Like I, uh, in the worst case scenario, I buy a house or fund my child's college fund or something like that. Like, holy shit. Like what, what, uh, that's like a crazy, uh, that's a crazy scenario to be in, but that, that, that's pretty much where I, um, how, how I sort of consider it. At this point in time, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much it. I, I don't see any other um, scenario. There's a situation which happens where uh, I basically, let's say, and this is what I've been projecting and predicting essentially, is I've been saying there is not enough pain in this space because I remember the absolute devastation that happened after the shitcoin sort of pump where everyone lost a ton of money, basically. They bought at the top. They lost a, a small fortune. And they said, what the hell was I thinking? And I, 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 part of me just thinks that that needs to happen again. And people need to get absolutely fucking wrecked. And I, I, th this isn't like a positive thing to look forward to. But I think of the internet bubble. Apparently, people were like walking around looking like zombies after that, in the, after the 90s uh, internet bubble, where they were like, holy shit, what was I thinking? I, I was worth $30 million on paper and now I'm worth like, not, I, I have to sell my house basically. So I, I think of that sort of scenario, that situation um, actually won't change my sort of strategy, but it'll definitely change my emotions uh, associated with it and, and ask me again in that scenario what happens. But for now I say, you know what? Fuck it, diamond hand it, let's see what happens. Let's bet on the future and that uh, some of the stuff that Elio was talking about, the transition of crypto Twitter. The one question for you, Eric, uh, before before we wrap even, is what what's going to make you buy an NFT? Do you own an NFT? And when are you going to take a portion of your, a percentage of your portfolio after listening to this conversation and move it over? <laughs> I don't know if you've convinced me, man. Um, it sounds really <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, so I feel like uh, Nick, you to an NFT native, your your rant made a lot of sense. Um, to an outsider, I think it it was kind of like the Always Sunny meme with Charlie that I just <laughs> sent you in the, in the Discord. I like and, it. Um, and effectively, your response is, "I'll sell when my business makes me fabulously wealthy or not." <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, man, it was. Of, uh, like, Really, not exactly a data-driven approach. So, no, I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead, Eric. Well, Elio, honestly, honestly, I am quite interested in it. Um, yeah, I have owned them before, and I probably have like a few that I bought it like last year, and I just haven't even checked on them. I'm sure there's some there. Um, you know, I believe that NFTs make sense in in a world that's trending towards the digital age. Um, the thing that I get a bit tripped up on, and perhaps this is just my misunderstanding, but 
Um, something that I get tripped up on is why would some NFTs be so valuable? Like uh, people seem to think that uh, NFTs have these extremely, um, you know, they, they project like these extremely lofty valuations for them. And I'm just curious, uh, why would it be so much more valuable than their real life counterpart? I mean, for example, um, you know, one of the one of the use cases that I can really understand because I'm a gamer um, is that NFTs for like skins in a video game, right? So you have like Fortnite and you buy some sort of costume for your character, blah, 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 blah. It costs this amount. That can be an NFT. But, you know, if those things cost like, I don't know, 50, 100 bucks, whatever might be on the higher end there. Um, why would it be so much more valuable as an NFT compared to, you know, just the way that it is now? Like that's one thing that I kind of struggle to understand I'm curious if you could actually, if you have, if you have something to say about that, just in terms of like helping me get it, I suppose. You're say, uh, sorry to. Uh, I, I want to summarize what that question is. The the question being like, why why buy uh, a financial instrument in NFT format versus like just a token, like a coin? Yeah, um, well, yes. I, I guess my real question is. Um, Man, I don't know if this is a good time to be getting into this because I know that you guys are trying to wrap up. But it's all good. I, well, you can, yeah, I mean, we'll give you a short answer. Just genuine curiosity. Uh, why? Why is something like Board Ape um, that you're holding? Why does that have the potential to have like five hundred thousand uh, valuation? Like, what? What? What's the idea there? Just out of curiosity. Could, just could, curiosity. I, could, could I step in on this? Real yeah, quick? Totally. No, I you want... can't. Pia, sorry, you're, you're gonna have to wait till the next show. Well, well I'm, if so first of all, I, I was going to say when we wrap that I'd love to have Eric on the show again uh, if he's down for it. I also tried to follow you, Eric, and I think you have oh, to dude, prove absolutely. me. Would love to, <laughs> oh, to follow sorry you. about that. It's my you, only defense against the damn bots here. But, you're good. Uh, absolutely, man. This is great. Of course. And I want to hear Nick's response. But just to kind of frame something that maybe we're not thinking about is that the NFT space does encompass more than just finance and quote unquote crypto. So for example, when Gary V came on our morning show, one thing I made sure to ask him because Gary V is obviously a heavyweight from the traditional uh, collectibles world is I asked him if he thinks that long term NFT collectibles, which a board ape, I think everybody can agree falls into NFT collectibles. Maybe it's much more than that, but I think that you can also say that it's an NFT collectible. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And I asked him if NFT collectibles will just continue to mirror the general crypto cycle, like I think we can all agree that they do now, as we saw the big pullback on Bitcoin and Ethereum, all NFT assets pulled back right alongside with it. Or if it if the NFT side of the shop ends up kind of going on its own trajectory because it's not it's just not the same thing. It's not the same thing as like Bitcoin as a financial instrument that a sovereign fund would try to park billions of dollars in for a hundred years, or you know a developer platform like Ethereum that'll be used to do whatever Ethereum will be used to do in the future. So I think. It's unfair to directly tie NFTs to crypto forever. I understand that they're directly tied right now, but that's the way that I try to think about it. And I'll let Nick go ahead and give his response, but I just wanted to throw that in there. So the biggest thing is like the valuation is arbitrary. Like it's real, it, to me, it's, it's a random price. It's the, um, it's basically like the tobacco cards. I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, the, 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 the most well-known tobacco card. Onus there. Wagner. Yeah. Onus Wagner. The, in the collectible space and in the art space, you know wh what is why is the price what the price is? It's relatively arbitrary, and I and so where I came up with that price last year was simply just based on momentum, uh, and and I set a target of what I thought seemed like a reasonable amount on the high end because it seemed so crazy. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of my upper limits have been. Uh, pretty spot on, but I don't know if that was due to luck or what. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what to attribute that to, but uh, I think with a lot of these different uh, prices, I don't even like in terms of comparison to another financial asset, I think it's more comparison to like a piece of art or something like that. And there was a conversation that we had uh, yesterday. We did an interview and uh, we were talking about streetwear basically. And the, the biggest thing that we came out of it with Jeff Staple one thing that he was talking about is like the ability uh, to flex essentially in the digital realm. And we were discussing a future in which like 
it's not even us who's on the camera. Like versions of avatars of ourselves are the ones because theoretically, like there is inefficiency there, right? Like someone who's, uh, you, you need to be uh, a model to be like a popular Instagram influencer, for example. Like that's the most common uh, sort of like subgenre that, that, that you have there. But uh, if you can just programmatically develop that, well, that eliminates that entire element. Why do I bring that up? It's because if you're existing in a digital world, there's going to be inherent value to this in the same way that exists in the tr traditional world, in the, in the physical world. People pay crazy amounts for art. They pay, and in the digital world, people pay ex extreme amounts for like skins and CSGO and Fortnite and places like that. It's just the same dynamic. It's a different market uh, versus a token like Axie Infinity or something like that. You're trying to say like, okay, how much revenue are they generating? How much do I think that this market cap should be worth? Blah, 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 blah. But with, a, uh, with an NFT, I think it's just uh, completely distinct and independent and that the price can get inflated to unreasonable levels because really the price is actually based on the flow to the market. Not all of it's being sold at any given moment in time. So there's only like, let's say 200 or 300 or 500 or 1,000 of these NFTs like apes for sale. Is, and and only a certain amount at the uh, at the low end of the market. So if a hundred apes are driving the market, all you need is those hundred to just go up in price, and uh, people to be willing to pay for it. And I think that that's something that actually is a reasonable probability. Basically, that if you say, "Are there a hundred people in the world that'll pay a million dollars?" My answer is yes. Um, and so just that alone could drive the price up. Yeah, if I could just jump in here and and tie tie the knot. Uh, you asked about real life counterparts, and the board ape is not really a a, a real life, uh, you know, equivalent or a digital equivalent to a skin in uh in a video game. There will be those uh, in in games like ones that I'm making, but as well, there is also going to be these digital status items, very similar to like let's say a special edition Rolex or uh, uh, Patek Philippe or you know uh, whatever, and you're seeing in the bubble those watches were going for like half a million dollars or something crazy because there was more scarcity associated with those models. And when we talk about more scarcity, yeah, I think a few thousand is about like what you would have seen like worldwide in a lot of these models. Whereas, you know, Bored Ape, you know that there's only 10,000 forever. And then on top of it now, let's say we end up in this, you know, digital native world, right? You have several things that are like driving the value of say this collectible. One, you are owning sort of a piece of history in a way. This was like the first of its kind, Board Ape, like a, a collectible roadmap project that took the world by storm and, and had this cultural moment. And so, you know, people will look back and say, wow, this is part of like a very historic collection in the like, it, let's imagine NFTs become ubiquitous on the internet and they're anywhere and everywhere, which it sort of seems like they're going towards with Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and all these different platforms integrating them. Well, you look back and you go, well, if I'm a real collector and I'm really like a, a rich person who wants to show that I'm special, how can I do that? And and you start getting into like a, a smaller list that filters down of like what kind of NFTs would even show that kind of status. And we all know that rich people spend incredible amounts of money on on making themselves look and feel special. And in the digital world, something like a bored ape is actually also quite interesting because anyone and everyone can access the wallets and, and uh, of the board ape network. So if I'm holding this ape uh, over the course of history, I'm being targeted by every new brand that wants this high valued customer over time as well. Whereas nobody knows if I own a Rolex, uh, nobody knows if I own an insert the blank piece of art or they probably, you know, a lot of art collectors are probably private. So there's a, there's a network effect, there's a historic effect, and there's an element of status that is verifiable, right? Where you're like, oh, you know, like you have this car that you paid X dollars for. How many are there? How many did you see today? Like you have like these ways you're like, oh, I don't see many G-Wagons um, in my town. So they're rare, but you don't really know how many G-Wagons came out that year or whatever. Um, and so, uh, and, and your G-Wagon eventually depreciates, right? And so it, and, and you'll need to keep it up and, and it'll eventually be undrivable. Whereas this is sort of like this pristine historical asset which as the world becomes more digital will always 
be exactly 100%. It's a 10 out of 10 rating as far as like a comic book would go. And so if you're thinking about it from like a raw collectible standpoint, there's so many arguments. Of course, the other argument is that we're all schizophrenic and and talking to ourselves and none of this actually happened. Um, and so <laughs> with that, I'll throw it back to Nick and Kyo. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I couldn't have said it better myself. The digital version is better than the physical version, just like the iPhone is better than the rotary phone. Bitcoin is better than the money that we had before, like physical gold. And board apes are better than a Michael Jordan card. One thing to add to what Elliot said, I can't take a screenshot of my bank account and put it on Instagram because people will be like, what the fuck are you doing? That's weird. What a, what a bozo, right? But I can have a board ape there and you can know that I'm worth X amount. And you might be thinking, and that's not something that you want to do, but digital flexing, social media flexing is a huge, huge thing. Nick, any closing thoughts before we wrap? Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that uh, putting my punk is me putting my bank account on a screenshot. It's a it status is just symbol, me. dude. What's that? It's a status symbol, man. People oh, yeah, know I agree with that. a lot. I agree. You did voluntarily um, tell us uh, about your entire portfolio, though. So anyway, <laughs> you could you could theoretically post a screenshot of your bank account on Instagram, PO, and I think people would be like, "Holy shit, he's broke." <laughs> Well, you're right about that. And on that, why don't we end uh, today's show? Hey, big shout out to Eric Crown. Uh, hope he comes back to the show. Eric, uh, you kicked ass and we'd love to have you on again. This show, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is available on all podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we do the show Monday through Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time for the West Coast folks. Shout out to all my L.A. and San Francisco people and everybody in between. Uh, used to live out in L.A., got a lot of love for the West Coast, and this time slot is uh, partially designed to be able to give those people something to listen to. Uh, check out Imposters, Elliot's game that he is putting his heart and soul into. Uh, check out RNFT, the Nifty Portal. Rebrand incoming on that. Uh, I'm going to close out with an electronic music song because that's Elliot's style. And I know all the deep cut electronic music records. Here we I'm, go. I'm not on EDM Music 2022 Top 100. Cue it up. A completely random track. DJ P.O. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. See ya. <laughs>